This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. We have been preaching for a while now that the Steelers absolutely had to win three out of these next four games. They got a really big jump start by getting the Titans win under their belt. That was one that you needed to at least get on the right path right away, and they did. This was a game against the Chiefs that kind of chalked up as a loss in the back of your head. and From day one. From, from day one. From as soon as the schedule was released. From way back in, when was that? It was in the middle like of the summer. June. Yeah, when the schedule was released, you thought Man. that was a loss. At the beginning of the season, even though the Chiefs were struggling, you thought that was a loss. And now when you kind of looked at that four-game window, you said Titans, Browns, Ravens, winnable games. The Chiefs, eh, not so much. Now. With the news of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill kind of floating on the COVID list and their status unsure, this becomes a more winnable game, absolutely, for the Steelers. I still don't think it's a huge detriment if you stumble here. I think this was the one that you kind of worked into that three out of four equation, and you just have to take care of business against the Browns and the Ravens next week. Now, if they can somehow steal this game against Kansas City, I think you got to be licking your chops if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. That would mean that you are going to be in the driver's seat. Potentially all you need is one win against two very winnable teams, the Browns and the Ravens. And I'm not saying that I'm going into Sunday really expecting this to happen, but I do have more hope now that they can actually steal this game from the Kansas City Chiefs. And if they do, I think, I mean, they wouldn't clinch, but in my mind, I would say they're going to the playoffs. If they can steal this game, I think it's a playoff team. Was it you I was having the conversation with Tom about um, <laughs> how Mike Tomlin would it be of Mike Tomlin to beat the Chiefs and then lose to either the Browns or the Ravens down the line? I think you like, can lose one if if you end up beating the just Chiefs Just lose game. three out of it, but you still managed to beat the Chiefs, the one team you th- had no right beating at the at, at, when you first saw that game scheduled for 2021. And I guess you don't want to mess around and lose games to division opponents, especially down this stretch. Especially in this division. Yeah, where every game legitimately matters. That's not a cliche at this point. Like, they're all a half a game within each other, and it could swing at a moment. You can go from fourth to first at any week. I mean, it's a a week-to-week kind of division. I mean, the Ravens were like, what, the one seed three weeks ago or – the number two seed three weeks ago, and now they're out of the playoffs in the in the nine spot. I mean, it's just such a fluid division, and I don't know if it's the best division in, in the NFL, but it certainly is the most competitive division in the entire NFL. But we start with the Chiefs. That's the next game in line for the Steelers. How do you attack this Kansas City Chiefs defense? They give up a lot of yardage. They give up a lot of yardage on the ground, 115 per game. That is 13th most in the NFL. They give up 250 yards through the air. That's the fifth most in the NFL. 366 yards total of offense surrendered by the Chiefs. That's ninth most in the entire NFL. Weird thing is for them, though, they only give up 21 points per game. Eighth fewest in the entire NFL. I think a lot of that is the heavy lifting being done by giving up just 13 points per game in their last seven games during the seven-game winning streak. But you can move the ball on this Chiefs defense, and it's kind of like a pick-your-poison. You can do the run. You can do the pass. 
Unfortunately, well, what do the Steelers gonna, offense gonna, do? I'm gonna, well? I'm gonna give you a question. Can you guess which poison Matt Canada is gonna pick? No, because I think we're at week 16 now, and the Steelers still don't know what their identity is. On no, that's offense. what I'm saying. I think they have the identity plain in sight in front of them, and it's Najee Harris running the ball first. But they're gonna run. They're gonna pass the ball. That's you, what they're gonna. Do want you worry to do. about Najee Harris at all? Maybe hitting a little rookie wall and. I don't know. I can't check it up to a rookie wall, Tom. He's been I've used more ch- than any rookie this year, and he's been used more than most running backs in general this year. And I can't, again, I'm not going to blame him. We we see how bad the offensive line is. We see, you know, I'll, I'll look to uh, the Titans game, right, when it took three plays to get into the end zone. The offensive line never moved. When it was first and goal from the one, and then second and goal from the one, and then third and goal from the one. The offensive line never moved until Ben finally just said, well, I, I tried the sneak. I obviously didn't work the first time. I clearly know what to do now. I have to just literally, I almost use the word sneak to define quarterback sneak. I have to just shimmy <laughs> my way in between offensive, my offensive linemen because they're not giving me any push. Usually when you see a running back uh, on first and goal from the one, he, by the time he reaches the one-yard line, his offensive linemen are already in the end zone. He just has to follow them. But that wasn't the case. I think when Najee Harris had the ball, by the time he got the ball, the offensive line had been pushed back to the two- or three-yard line. And it took his individual efforts that we saw to get back to that one. And then, of course, Ben couldn't sneak it in from the one. It took him a second try. But it was all on him. The offensive line shows no movement, shows no push. So I, I don't want to say I'm blaming Najee Harris. I don't want to do that because I think it's more on the offensive line than it is on Najee Harris. Because I And I appreciate that he's being used this much. And I think that number could be lower. And the reason it's not is because of how bad the offensive line plays that he's being forced to take all these targets or take all these carries because all they have all they're all they're allowed to do is have these really bad run formations and it goes nowhere but they still want to use him last week i said for the first time this year i think the steelers should have a pass first approach at the offense titans rush defense one of the best in the nfl one of the worst pass defenses in the nfl and they did they passed the ball 25 times and ran it 17 it's actually pretty close to some decent balance to be honest but the problem was they only gained 186 total yards of offense. Like, Ben threw 25 times. Yeah, it's not a good offense. No, and they they couldn't get anything going in the passing game. I think this week, even though the Chiefs don't have as good of a rush defense as the Titans did, I think this is still a good week to have a pass-first approach. They only average 1.5 or 1.7 sacks per game, so it's not like Ben should be in much trouble back there. This isn't the same type of pass rush that the Vikings and the Titans boasted when they played the Steelers mm-hmm. in the previous two weeks. So I think he can stand back in the pocket, get a little bit more time, and I think Deontay Johnson can eat against this secondary. Obviously, the Honey Badger is really good, but he's more of a ball hawking kind of safety, more of a um, make a big splash play guy. Obviously, he is good in helping with coverage, but I don't know if he's elite as far as that's concerned. So. I think Deontay can have a big game. I think Claypool, hopefully he pulls his head out of his butt, didn't do much dramatic stuff on Sunday against the Titans, and I'm saying I'm saying that in a good way. Uh, he had a couple nice end-arounds. He didn't do anything really in the passing game, but he didn't do anything to shoot the Steelers in the foot. So progress, I guess, from him. 
But I think those two can have a decent game. I think the corners for the Chiefs are a little shaky as far as their pass coverage is concerned. Like we said, they give up 250 yards and some change through the air per game. That's the fifth worst in the entire NFL. Um, Deontay, a little quiet last week against the Titans. I, I don't think yeah, he has we, back-to-back we, quiet weeks. We both thought this was going to be not his breakout game, but certainly a Deontay Johnson-friendly game, and it wasn't. No, and I think we can expect that to be the case again this week. I think that it's a good plan of attack for the Steelers. And look, I think that the best way to go about the Chiefs is to obviously run the ball a lot, keep that offense off the field, try to minimize the amount of times that Patrick Mahomes can touch the ball and hurt you. Steelers just don't have that kind of a run control, a run ball control offense, and I don't think that they're going to all of a sudden figure it out in the seven days between Tennessee and the Kansas City game. So I just think you pass the ball a lot in this game. Hopefully it pays off and you score a couple touchdowns out of it. You can put up maybe 24 to 30 points. I think you're going to need that kind of an output if you're going to want to beat the Chiefs. I don't know if you want to get into a defensive slugfest with them with the way that their defense has been playing lately and with how their offense can really score 14 points on you in just a blink of an eye. I'd say it's even faster than They're that. They're like the on. Warriors of football. Like, you know how the Warriors yeah. are down by 15 and it's still a game because they make And then threes. within a matter of like three minutes, it's a five-point game or something. It, yeah. yeah, it's the same way with the Chiefs. I mean, we've seen it time after time. We saw it in the Super Bowl. We saw them had a double-digit deficit in the Super Bowl, and it took— The one that they won against the Niners. Yes, yeah. yes, sorry. Yeah, against the Niners. It came back and won it, and it was all done in the fourth quarter. There was really nothing to it. Just Patrick Mahomes— Chucking it up to Tyreek Hill. Chiefs game last week. They were down. Had to come back. I mean, they're really good at it. And that's because they're a really good offense. One of the best in the NFL. It's not some weird clutch like karma that they have where they just wake up in the fourth quarter. It's just hard to keep that offense down for 60 straight minutes. It is. And you're not going to do it. No team has done it. I don't know. Other than Packers did a decent job. 13 points allowed. With... Wasn't that with no Patrick Mahomes, though? No, Mahomes was playing. Oh, Mahomes no, played. There was no Aaron Rodgers. Right. So maybe but that's the Chiefs not, won that game. Right. Maybe that's not good enough if Rodgers is playing. I guess so. But, hey, they don't ask you how. You don't know, yeah. They just ask you how many. Right. So we may not we may not know the answer to that question unless they play each other in the Super Bowl. Which, I'll sign up for that right now. Oh, I'd love to see it. I don't know if that's going to happen. We've yet to see Rodgers play Mahomes. They've that's been true. hurt. They've because been hurt the every time. The first time, I think Mahomes had that bad like ankle injury that kept him out for four and then weeks. Rodgers missed, and then Rodgers missed because of COVID. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting back to the original point, this this defense, I mean, it's going to allow some points, but I don't know with this Steelers offense. There's no indication, Tom, that's saying, oh, well, the Steelers can put up the same amount of points that every other NFL team yeah. has been doing. See, I, I I hear you saying that they have allowed 21 points on the season, but I don't care about that number. The number that is more important to me is that 13 points per game in the last seven weeks, which we said is a little bit skewed because of the 28 they just allowed to San Diego, or I'm sorry, the, the L.A. Chargers, which is a much better offense than the Steelers have. And we saw that on full display in the Sunday night game. It was just this fluky fourth quarter that you saw of the Pittsburgh Steelers, which you'll probably never see again, that 24-point fourth quarter effort by the Steelers. You'll never see that again. So take that away. Take that once-in-a-generation performance away, and the Chargers win that game by three touchdowns. I think I'd like to see a healthy dosage of Pat Fryermuth in this game. 
Unfortunately, he's in the concussion protocol after getting his clock cleaned against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Firemuth's had a really up and down season, as most rookies will. It's been more up than down, though, and he's it's a, been a lot more up and he's down. He's a weapon that weeks, I think yeah. can exploit some of these inside linebackers that the Chiefs have. Yet, I just don't know if the Steelers are going to have his services on Sunday because, I mean, if if there's anything that's more mysterious than the COVID protocol, it's the concussion protocol. You just can't. You just don't know when you're you going to clear no that. Idea, you have right. no clue how. Some guys can get crushed in the head and they bounce right back a couple days later. Some guys take a week or two weeks to bounce back. It's very, it's a very fluid, very individual kind of a, an injury. Um, we did see Zach Gentry, you know, rumble and stumble for a nice 18-yard tight yeah, end screen good. against the Titans. At the very least, if you're without Fryermuth, you got some beef with Raider and Gentry up there. So it's not like you can't really have that jumbo kind of push the pile, run set offense, but. It does hurt you in the passing game. I mean, Gentry can catch a tight end screen every once in a while. But, but he's not going to put up the individual effort that Pat Farmuth can get. And do. with the Chiefs bending but not breaking, that means that their red zone defense has been good, late, especially lately. One of the Steelers' bread and butter red zone targets is Pat Farmuth, and the Steelers have one of the best red zone offenses as far as conversion is concerned. So you're taking away Ben's biggest target when you get down and the field gets a lot tighter. That might be really hindering the Steelers' ability to, yes, move the ball against the Chiefs, but also doing what a lot of teams haven't been able to do lately, finishing the drive off with seven points. No, I, I think without Pat Fryermuth, who's a great red zone target for Ben, you're far less likely to put, if you if you even managed, let's, let's not put the cart, Let's not put what's this thing. Let's not put the the, the cart in front, front of the, the, cart in like front of the horse. Right, you got it it's because okay. you have to. You're you're saying that under the assumption the Steelers are going to get into the red zone in order to make Pat Fryermuth a weapon. Tom, do you remember how the Steelers had four turnovers, three in the second half, uh, all in Tennessee territory, and they all led to field goals because they were all three and out drives. The Steelers could not move the ball. Maybe I think one was a five-play drive, but that was it. I mean, you got one first down. You never moved the ball more than, I think, 25 yards on all three of those drives. You had to kick a field goal with Chris Boswell. And it, let's not forget, we, we, we know how lucky we are with Chris Boswell. There are a lot of kickers out there that are far more inconsistent than he is. If you're out there with a average kicker, you're not going to be hitting all four of the field goals that Chris Boswell hit, some of which came at 46 yards, 47 yards. He he missed the 56-yarder at the end of the first half, but still, you have to consider yourselves lucky you have a kicker like Chris Boswell because your offense is so stale, so stagnant. Even though you're getting the ball in great field position, you're still kicking field goals. So, yes, it's going to hurt if, if Pat Frymuth isn't out there, but again, how much of a difference is it going to make if you're not even going to be approaching the red zone you can't kick field goals against the kansas city chiefs either. no no way no how. no it's... here's a question for you if somehow this game is tied or or in 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 reach of being tied and the steelers get a touchdown excuse me to tie it up or <clears throat> to get within one point the the extra point is the tie break or is the tie setter Do the steelers go for two Do the steelers pull a john harbaugh, harbaugh? 
I would say yeah. Because I would say I you have to. I don't want to go to overtime because look what the Chiefs did last week in yeah. overtime against the Chargers. They got the ball immediately, and then it was a what a forty yard touchdown pass to to Patch or Kelsey. to uh, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and you know if you're the Chargers, you'd go into an overtime with Patrick Mahomes because I think if they win the coin toss, there's a good chance that Herbert drives right down the field and ends the game. But with the Steelers, I think you're playing with fire. Do you really want fifty fifty odds, or do you want to just? Try to get two yards for the victory right here, right now. I think I would go for the victory. The defense has really been the catalyst for the Steelers in their seven wins this year, uh, especially Mr. T.J. Watt. The Steelers are 7-2 and two in games that he has participated more than 50% of. They are 0-4-1 and one in the games that he is not. And the games that they lost in that 7-2 and two record were the games he returned from injury just a week prior. So when he's been in the fold... Um, and fully healthy, or at least as close to 100% as possible, they're 7-0. It all rides on his shoulders, and really that defense's shoulders, if you want to get a win, might be the time for the offense to finally return the favor this week, though. Uh, If there's no Hill or Kelsey, I think the defense can do a decent job of shutting down that Chiefs offense, but if even one of those guys plays or... Even if both of them are out, Patrick Mahomes still presents a lot of problems for your Pittsburgh Steelers, but you just can't let a Cincinnati kind of game break out. You, you can't let the Chargers, you can't let the Vikings. You got to at least bottle up the big home run hitters, and I don't expect you to stop the run particularly well because I just don't think you will for the rest of the season, but... At least don't let him absolutely break your back with, you know, Dalvin Cook 40-yard runs with holes that you could drive trucks through. You have to at least be a little bit more um, formidable of a unit against that rush attack and then pin your ears back and get after Mahomes as much as possible when he drops back to pass. Not going to be easy to do. Like we said in a previous episode, the Chiefs offensive line gives up just 1.8 sacks per game. But you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you average the second most sacks per game behind Minnesota in the NFL. So it's strength on strength, and I think I would pick the Steelers' strength just because T.J. Watt's going to be healthy in this game, and there isn't a tackle alive in the NFL who can block T.J. Watt when he's healthy. They can try to hold him like that screen grab. Have you the have you seen that photo of yeah, him basically that's what I was just talking flying? About. It looks the like air. the Titanic picture where yes, he's he on does. The, the bow of the ship. Just he looks like that statue of. In Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> that giant one. <laughs> I forget the name of it. Like it's the, the Jesus, the Jesus statue. statue. Yeah. That's hilarious. I didn't even, good shout. I didn't even think about that. But he got a sack on that play. I know. That is, was isn't the, that wild? That was the franchise time bre- isn't that breaking wild? sack. He was held by two guys. It was like three guys so, really, when you think about it. So you can't really blame, or, or I'm sorry, you can't really think that just because the Chiefs have had such a great job this year of protecting Mahomes that it'll be the case against T.J. Watt. They haven't faced the T.J. Watt yet. Mm. They faced Miles Garrett earlier in the year, but T.J. Watt's better than Miles Garrett. Look what Miles Garrett did this past week against the Raiders. Nothing. Nothing. T.J. Watt's had some stinkers too, but off of injuries, and you've obviously said something doesn't look right with him out there. Miles Garrett has been 100% healthy. All year he, long. he hasn't been dealing with COVID like he did last year, which he admitted took a really big toll on his season last year. And... This year, he has no excuse, and I mean, he he laid up a big goose egg. I don't think he had a single quarterback hit, a single quarterback pressure. And the team lost. And the team lost. No tackles for loss. 
Yeah. Could have used them at the end, too, when the Raiders were trying to get in the field goal range. to Have that long long, uh, field goal drive you out and win it. Yep. Could have used the sack or at least the tackle for loss there. Yeah. Uh, Can't all be T.J. Watt, though. T.J.'s missed, what, three, four more games than Miles Garrett this year? In total, when you consider, like, halves halves that he's missed, I think something like that. 17 and a half sacks to Garrett's 15. And he leads in tackles for loss. He leads in QB pressures. It's no debate anymore. I don't think it's a debate. People are going to try to make it a debate all year long. Well, I think the debate, too, comes from uh, Micah Parsons is continuing his rookie season. I would be too. more okay with uh, him getting it's... the depoy over TJ than if Garrett I don't gets want it. anyone getting no, it over TJ. TJ wants the depoy. But if Garrett gets it, it's just egregious. I mean, it's just. Egregious. I don't think Garrett's going to get it now. It's, it's Watt and Parsons. You think I those think are the so. two man race? I mean, the thing is, the fact is, TJ legitimately has Strahan insights. All it takes is one big three sack game, and it's 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 all of a sudden realistic. And then you just have to get what one and a half for the other two yeah. games each. Yeah. That's not that hard. You break Strahan's record, I think that's an automatic deep. Play. You it's have like, to. It's like they say you win three hundred games as a pitcher, or you hit three thousand hits as a hitter. You're automatically in the Hall of Fame. If you break Strahan's record, how could you not be the best defensive player of the year? How could you not be considered a future Hall of Famer from that moment moving forward? I think T.J. Watt's already in Canton as long as he stays already healthy. Already in Canton. As long as he stays healthy. Yes. I mean, there's— But he, I'm saying, okay, if his career ends after 2021, but he breaks straight hands record, I'd is he a Hall in. of Famer? I'd put him in. I, I'd be pretty hard-pressed not to because you increase your sack total every year. My argument would be Calvin Johnson. You break—yeah, His career point. ended early, you but break, he still got in. You break the all-time single-season sack record— and less games than Strahan played because I bet you Strahan played the full 16 that year, and, and TJ is going to do it in less than in in less than 16. Yes, he would he would be out there for 14, but we know he missed halves throughout that time. Uh, he he would play 16, sorry, or I guess 15 because that's two games. But it's even even less so Easy because on the of, math. Yeah, sorry. Uh, just keep it at less. Just keep it at less games. You don't need to break it right. down more than that. But. He he's gonna do it if he does it in less games than Strahan did it. I hope he gets a couple of sacks against the Chiefs in this one too, because again, you absolutely need it against these guys. And of course, it always helps your depoy candidacy if you perform in big games. If you if you right. have it your end of the year highlight reel, you taking down Patrick Mahomes, that's gonna help you a lot. Right, and he already has that game winning moment in his highlight reel of the Seahawks right. game. That no, sure he does. That I, of the, field co- goal the only thing is that quarterback was Geno Smith, not Russell Wilson. Hey. A win's a win, yeah. They don't ask you how Yeah, yeah, right. They ask you how many. And that could be twenty two and a half. Um what he needs other- twenty three to break the record? Twenty twenty three to break the record, twenty two and a half is the record. And he stands at seventeen and a half right now. Five back from tying the record. So five and a half to break to, Break that yeah, record. all he needs is that big three sack game, and I think he could do it against Cleveland or Baltimore, or Baltimore, if not both, which would shatter the record. Yeah, it so, would destroy it. One guy that's been missing for a while that is such a big addition is Joe Hayden. And wow, what can you say about Joe Hayden's day? I don't think you could. I'm. You might have been able to survive against the Titans without him, although he got burned pretty bad early in the game. He got lucky that the pressure got there. That drop the pass, yeah, yeah. but. I mean, he contributed more pros than cons against the Titans. Turnover that he he grabbed on the great diving play and the tackle of the year. Tackle uh, of the year. Tackle of the year for the Steelers. Who, who called it the tackle that saved the Steelers season? Um, oh, it was an ex-Patriot. Uh, Teddy Bruschi mm-hmm. called it the tackle of the year, tackle that saved the Steelers season. And it was all of that. And 
I, again, I, I love the caption of him with the screen grab saying, I lift weights with like the blowing yes, smoke I out like of his that nose tweet. emoji. I gave it a little just, like. It's such a veteran play to wrap the arms and grab sure, the football sure because if he has him by the legs, he's reaching out easily and getting a first down. Joe Hayden just did not let him do that. Uh, I think the Steelers would be in big time trouble if Joe Hayden wasn't out there in this game. If Tyreek Hill plays, you absolutely need Joe Hayden on the field. He can't keep up with Tyreek Hill, but he's got the veteran savvy to know where to give him yardage, where to play off of him, maybe jam him at the line a little bit. He's probably not going to be successful in shutting him down. Who is when he averages 83 yards per game? But I think he's obviously the best shot the Steelers have to slowing him down. And if they didn't have him in this game, uh, I think they'd be lost in the secondary. Yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of it has to do with equally his skill level, but his veteran presence. The veteran guy out there, Tom, for the secondary when it wasn't Joe Hayden, the oldest guy out there was Terrell Edmonds. Now, of course, the leader of that secondary is Minka Fitzpatrick, whether or not Joe Hayden's out there. But when you add a veteran presence like Joe Hayden on top of the talent that he brings, on top of the talent that Minka Fitzpatrick brings— then it's a completely different secondary you're talking about. Whether it's on-the-field play or it's off-the-field focus, I think it changes that dynamic entirely. And you saw it on full display when he brought his presence to that second to that secondary locker room, if you want to call it, and then, of course, his actual performance on the field was game-saving, if not season-saving. No question about it, and... I think we really undervalued how much they missed him in the previous couple of Absolutely. weeks. Absolutely. Uh, when he first went down, I don't even know, what I forget which game it was, we were running an office saying, well, Cam Sutton's been good. James Pierre, we were very high on at the time, saying, we know he's got burned, but he's made some good plays, and he's made some really good, he's made some really big pass breakups uh, when it's mattered. So I think the Steelers are going to be okay without Joe Hayden. We're, I'll I'll just say Mia culpa. We got that one wrong. We did. We should have been better. We will be better next time if there is a next time, and hopefully there's not that a player like him goes down. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so focused on Hayward and Watt being the guys on that right. defense that you know it's easy to overlook Hayden's contributions. And this guy has been getting it all year, and I think it's been fair criticism. But what a couple of weeks Minka Fitzpatrick's had the past yes. couple of weeks. He's yes. become Minka Fitzpatrick again. He's getting the turnovers. He's flying recovering the, the fumbles. He's, he's, he's erasing bad plays yeah. up front with the running game where he's making yeah. all the tackles in the secondary, which is still bad, but at least he's making all the tackles in the secondary. Yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick, I, I'm ready to say it. He's back. Minka's back. It's a, is it too little too late, do you think? Nope, because you're 7-6-1, and, and you've point. got the division right in front of you. So... Is it a little late? Yeah. It's a little late. it's definitely not too late. It's a lot of late. It's not too little, though. You still got enough time here. And you've got some quarterbacks that are prone to throwing those interceptions, especially Baker Mayfield coming up on that Monday night football game. So love what I'm getting out of Minka lately. Love what I'm getting out of Joe Hayden. Of course, Hayward and Watt. And and you know what? Chris Wormley. Big sack against the Titans. Had another sack this past week. Big game against the Ravens. Has six sacks on the season. Not doing much against the run. No. But well, I'll no t- one else really is either. But so yeah, so I'll take some productivity for that individually. I'll take some productivity anywhere I can get it, and you're getting it from him at least as far as getting some pressure on the quarterback is concerned. And to kind of wrap up, I think that's the key: pressure on Mahomes. Whether Hill and Kelsey are there or not, 
pressure on Mahomes and making Mahomes uncomfortable. We saw what it did in the Super that's, Bowl. That's the key. Get him off yep. his spot. Mm-hmm. And pressure up the middle would be huge. So Cam Hayward and Warmly. Shout you, out to Devin Bush and Joe Schober maybe sneaking up a little couple. Too. I would yeah. love a little Vince Williams kind of blitzes yeah. going on against him. Got to get home, though, because if you blitz against Mahomes and he gets out You're of You're leaving it, someone it, open. It, it is over because <laughs> he is going to find one-on-one target, and he is going to exploit that mightily. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Chiefs-Steelers, 425 kickoff on Sunday. Cannot wait for that game. It's a big one. Steelers big absolutely one. would it would behoove them. It's not a must-win anymore. I think the Titans one was. But it would really behoove them and make it a lot easier for them if they could sneak this one out against Kansas City. For Jacob Brecht, I am Tom Opferman. As always, we appreciate you guys giving us a listen, and we will talk to you next time.